From the Financial Times in London, I'm Andrew England and this is FT News. President Uhuru Kenyatta has been declared the winner of last week's election in Kenya and will now serve another five years. But so weak is trust in state neutrality that supporters of Raila Odinga, the veteran opposition leader, simply do not believe it. They took to the streets at the weekend in demonstrations that were violently put down by the police. With me to discuss what happens next is our correspondent in Nairobi, John Agliombi. Hi, John. What's the mood like in Nairobi? Obviously, there were several deaths over the weekend and we saw a lot of violence in the slums in Nairobi and some in Kisumu in western Kenya. What's it like now? Well, it depends where you live. If you're in the slums, you think the world is against you. You think your leader's been cheated of an election victory and many people want to do something about it. As soon as you step 100 yards away from these areas or away from the opposition heartland of Kisumu, a western city, life is starting to return to normal. The streets are getting busier. Businesses are returning to normal. And it's as if nothing's ever happened. The stock market is at a 14-month high and is climbing by the day. Are the demonstrations still going on in those pockets or has it sort of come to an end? Well, we're in a bit of a limbo period in the sense that everyone is waiting for Raila Odinga to make his grand announcement about how he believes the election was rigged, where the manipulation happened and what he's going to do about it. And the problem, in a way, is that he has insisted he's not going to take his complaints to the Supreme Court, which is what he should do, but he just wants to leave the evidence out there. And no one quite knows what this means. Is he just making up his strategy as he goes along or has he got a fine-tuned plan? I tend to believe the former, but who knows? We're just going to have to wait and see. It's not the first time that there have been accusations that an election has been rigged. And it's not the first time Mr Odinga has a loss claiming that an election has been rigged. This is his fourth attempt at the presidency. So what do international observers say about the conduct of the polls this time? There are two things, essentially. The first thing is they say, for the most part, that it was largely a very well-run process up until the end of voting. In the, the campaign, yes, there were problems. You know, there are no campaign finance laws here. There are issues about whoever's in power using and abusing the power of incumbency. But for the most part, the campaign went well and voting went extremely smoothly. And there are very, very, very few anomalies or infringements that were found on voting day. However, that's when sort of the good news in a way ends because then the tallying comes in. And in order to try and reduce allegations of corruption and manipulation and rigging, the Electoral Commission had various systems in place and they were hard to understand and they haven't all yet been put to fruition. Namely, all the result sheets have not been uploaded to their websites, so Kenyans cannot see who actually won in which constituency. And that is what the presidential result is based upon. And so there are questions of transparency, if not actual results. Much was made about the Kenyan Electoral Board's electronic voter ID and voter counting system, which was updated for this election to try and prevent fraud or at least to reduce the chances of fraud. But then the IT chief of the Electoral Board was found murdered a week before the election. So that raised a lot of suspicions. And I know Raila Odinga's spoken about that. What is he actually claiming went wrong? And did the electronic system stand up to scrutiny? During voting, the electronic system did appear to stand up to scrutiny. Yes, it functioned very, very well. At the last election, more than 50% of the electronic voter ID systems failed on election day. This time, it was well under 10%. 
which is almost in the margin of error factor, and there were backup systems. What Riley Odinga is claiming is actually rather hard to state simply because he has changed his story several times since election day. He first said that the electronic system was rigged and therefore the results could not be trusted. However, the electronic system was just a backup system and the key one that matters, the official system, is the paper trail. He is now suggesting that this paper trail has been falsified as well and that there were government agents filling out forms and uploading them to the Electoral Commission's website rather than actually going with the real ones. He has not yet produced any credible evidence of this. And so therefore it is slightly hard to know exactly what he is claiming and we wait for his major revelations to find out. President Kenyatta spoke this week and he told the opposition if you want to contest the election, contest it through the courts. Is that a credible option for Mr Odinga? I mean, he did do that in 2013 and his appeal was rejected. What credibility does the judicial system have and is it likely that he will pursue his complaints through the courts? The Kenyan judicial system has a chequered reputation. Certainly in 2013, it didn't cover itself in glory when it was handling Mr Odinga's appeal and it essentially ran down the clock and dismissed his appeal on a technicality. However, in the run-up to the voting this year, the new Chief Justice, Mr Moranga, has come out quite strongly accusing politicians of trying to undermine its independence. And of six high-profile cases that it's highlighted, five of them have been attacking President Kenyatta's Jubilee Party or the President himself on two occasions. And only once has it been critical of Mr Odinga. And moreover, in the run-up to the election, Mr. Odinga's camp has filed numerous lawsuits wanting this change, that changed in the way the results are done, in the way the election is conducted. And for the most part, the courts have sided with him. So it's a bit hard for him to accuse the judiciary of being biased against him when in the last six months they've actually been backing him much more than the president. We can assume that uh, Mr. Kenyatta will be president for the next five years. So what are the challenges for him and what are the key issues for his second term? This is East Africa's dominant economy, key Western allies seen as important in the fight against Islamist extremism, particularly in Somalia. So what can we expect from the second term? His first major challenge is to rebuild unity in the nation. 44% of the country voted against him and a lot of those 44% are very angry about what's happened. So he's going to have to rebuild trust build national unity and try and find a way to build bridges between his supporters and those Mr. Odinga's. Secondly, the economy. In the six, eight months before the election, the economy slowed significantly. Much of this was election related, but there are also other factors. The cost of living has risen dramatically and he's going to have to bring that down. That means looking at agricultural policies, sorting out infrastructure, and tackling other things to get the economy moving, particularly investment. His big plans are to build more major investment projects, such as the Standard Gauge Railway. He wants to take that all the way to Uganda. And he also wants to make sure that devolution is working more effectively, so therefore local government actually delivers development projects. On the broader international issues, you're right. Security in the region is very problematic. Not only is Somalia still of an extremely fragile state. One of his other neighbours, South Sudan, is an even worse situation. It's in effective civil war. It has been for several years and there is no end in sight. It's now one of the world's biggest refugee crises. 
and he's going to have to do something about that if he wants to really cement his legacy as a East African leader of note. Great, John. Well, look, thank you very much, and we look forward to your reports from Kenya. Thank you. Thanks very much indeed. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.